airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. We're going to turn our attention toward the church in the second and third segments. Um, honestly, that's that's really where I like to focus anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, I really do. <laughs> like, you know, I, 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 I like to focus on um, building up and encouraging the people that I'm going to spend eternity with and mm-hmm. also making much of Jesus so that there are more people added to that number, Amen. right? Like more people coming in. It's not exclusive, but then at the same time, yeah, it is. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can you can come, but there's only one way to get in, mm-hmm. one way. And still today, one way. Doesn't change. It wasn't just a matter of time. It's, there's still one way. His name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like making much about his bride and um, the people that I honestly prefer to be around more than any other group of people, bar none. Hmm. I prefer to be around the people of God. Amen. Without respect to your color of skin. Right. Okay. (laughs) Everybody just breathe. Just breathe. I have more in common. I have more in common with people who have come into an eternal relationship with God than I do with people who just exist in the same skin color that I exist in. You know, there's. I mean, if you think about that, and the same is true for whatever your ethnic background is. Right. Now, that's not true when you diminish Jesus. Right. When you make less of Jesus, it's you're uncomfortable being around people who look differently because you're like, oh, what are we going to talk about? But when Jesus is the center, Man, come on. W- when it's all about Jesus, like you can't pull these people apart like they can't stop talking. And, you know, your kids know your and, kids are ready to go home. And it seems like this is something that we should. Uh, finally get in our heads you know we seem like we we're still on this roller coaster with yep. with this issue you mm-hmm. know i think it's a spiritual issue you it know is a and even issue. even reading uh through the book of galatians in my second time through um mm-hmm. man you could see that, that there were people that was that were coming that was making more of circumcision mm-hmm. <laughs> and paul mm-hmm. said right here there's no jew greek circumcised all that stuff you know and i and i think you know, we can take that for us today, man, in Christ, there's none of that. Not It's not that it does not exist. Like there are not, you know, brown people and, and, and dark brown people, or lighter brown people. But, you know, there's, those distinctions don't cancel out anything. Like, you know, we, st- we, we are still in Christ. And mm-hmm. that's first and foremost how we should identify uh, with each other and how, how we should identify ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm wondering, Will, you know, as we've been talking about um, disparities or perceived disparities, uh, we talk about racism. I don't have to mince words or, you know, Mm -hmm. like get all uncomfortable to talk about that. The only thing that I kind of trip over is that I don't believe that there are multiple races of people. Right. And so coming to that knowledge biblically 
it is a little bit uncomfortable for me to say it because I feel like, you know, I have to acquiesce to a culture that is in rebellion against God Mm -hmm. and trying to like claim terms and everything and then make you submit to them. So I hate that. Now, this is what we've grown up saying, right? This is what I've heard and been acquainted with all my life. And there are, you know, years back where it would have just been very comfortable and natural to talk about racism and what we need to do and the church's response. But when you realize that that is a man-made term, Mm-hmm. Right. That that is not how the Bible describes people. The Bible describes people according to ethnicity or ethnos. Right. Um, according to tribes, according to tongues, according to nations. Right. Mm. And so when we start to take a biblical stance, a biblical position in culture and start using Bible terms, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, you kind of start to feel a little bit like, oh, well, I want to say it that way. It sounds a little bit awkward, but yeah. it's not because you're afraid to go into the fray and have the conversation. Right. And, like, you, know, you know, and I think I think as Christians, we should be more concerned about terms and words. Yeah, I, I agree. Because they have meaning. And like, yeah. you know, you, you see the enemy, you know, they like to use terms and words, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, for the for their purposes and to make it sound a certain way, but it really means something else, you yeah. know. So I think when we give over as Christians to using the same terms and words, you know, even what, even though, like you said, we do it because, I mean, that's just what, if you're going to have a discussion, that's what they're going to understand. But something in me feels like, man, but we should just stop using these terms and words because they're not accurate. You know, to mm-hmm. say racist, man, that's Darwinian. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not it is. That's, not that's exactly what it is. You know, that's right. Void of the truth, void of a creator. Right. Right. A, a product of random selection right. and random mutations. Right. Over millions of years. OK. <laughs> millions and millions of years. And, and you would have to you would have to say and we were talking about this with the kids today as we wrapped up biology, which, by the way, we had a final exam. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll save that for Friday. Final exam. <laughs> All right. What was I saying? Darwin. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So <laughs> starting to question my life choices, teaching these kids. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so you've got Darwin. And in order to believe what he taught and what he posited, you would have to believe that every time there is a mutation, that that mutation adds information that is valuable and that leads to a positive outcome. And what we learn today, even just talking to our kids, and again, this provides an incredible defense for their faith, mm-hmm. an incredible defense for their faith. What we learn is that when we talk about mutations, there, every observed mutation has meant a loss of information. Mm-hmm. So the mutation is not beneficial. Right. <laughs> so imagine, like, and, and you know, as we're talking about this, it's like you, you expect us to walk around looking at each other as if we are just, whoa, what? What a wonderful coincidence that all of our random mutations led to what we see today. (laughs) That's ridiculous. And when you give into that and you start using terms like race, right, and and letting that become natural, like we've got to retrain the way we think. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, right, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And and then you have to ask the question, well, how do I get my mind renewed? Well, you got to be steeped in the word of God. Mm. You got to be surrounded by the people of God. And again, this does not mean that we are always going to agree on everything. But this means that we have the blessed luxury and well, let me not say luxury. We have the the necessity 
of the Holy Spirit being present when we try to bear with one another, Mm. when we try to agree and when we try to come to an understanding. And that is something that the world does not have. Amen. They only have self. Amen. Right. They they only have their (laughs) self-interest. But we are different. We are a different group of people. We are a set apart group of people. We are peculiar. That means that the tensions that the world is experiencing, we're not supposed to be experiencing that right now. Mm -hmm. We're not supposed to be going through that. In fact, we are supposed to be stable, ready and able to be salt and light in these situations. Mm -hmm. But if we go just like the world, toss back and forth, blowing in the wind like grain, You know, we look just like them. Why should we expect them to come to us asking for answers? Right, right. We're like, we're like sway. (laughs) We don't, if we're like them, we don't have the answers. And and the the distinction of having the Holy Spirit is such an important distinction because he is the one that gives us the power to bear with one another, you know, and and to love one another, to to do all those things that in our flesh we wouldn't be able to do, you know. And so the Holy Spirit being uh, present and, and working in our lives is a distinction that we should, man, that we should praise God, you know, each day for. Yeah, man, you know, I had such a I, I really do. I, I just would take this time and, and just to say how much I appreciate the body of Christ. So we, you know, we attend church um, not because it's just our duty, but because, man, we really do believe that we need to. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we believe that we need to be gathered together, that we need to be learning doctrine. We need to be trained in righteousness. We need to be mutually encouraging one another. And so and we also believe that we need to be fellowshipping because there is community that is built in that yeah. um, whereby we are learning and growing together, not just seeing each other casually. And just thinking about it now, um, you know, after our church service, we share a meal. Mm-hmm. And last Sunday, I, you know, it's really amazing. So you look around this table. It's one of those, you know, one of those little what banquet tables or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a group of women, myself included, all sitting around talking about current events. And one woman at the table is Hispanic. Three of them are white and three of them are black. And here we are all sitting around the table talking <laughs> and no one had to take their earrings out. Not one person. <laughs> Now, for my people who for my people who have just always been saved, that is a reference to an event that portends violence. Yeah. Take my it's not good. Out. No one. T- no one took any earrings out. But there was a there was a great conversation where you're talking about, OK, how do we filter what is go- like what is what's happening right now? Where look, mm. guys, and this is really to an extent affecting the body of Christ because members of the body of Christ are trying to figure out how to navigate this. How, how, how do we like, is it, is there something wrong with apologizing to somebody for something you haven't done? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I say, yes, yes. Why, why, why are you apologizing for something you haven't done? And, and, and I want to say this, and this is where I think the conversation gets really uncomfortable When people start talking about disparities that exist in black communities or impoverished communities or Hispanic communities, when you start talking about the disparities that exist in that type of context, there are things that happen that are the result of personal choices that Mm -hmm. no one owes anyone an apology for, Mm -hmm. save the person who made the poor choice. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we start having those conversations there's no space for, you know, and, and forgive me for referencing some of these videos that I've been seeing pop up lately where you've got the way we describe it. Let me see, less melanated people. OK, 
kissing the boots of more melanated oh. people and saying, you've got to apologize to me and my ancestors. And people are doing it. I watched the video the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, of a woman less melanated, okay, walking down the street, another less melanated man, and he videos this, walks up behind her, taps her on the shoulder and says to her, hey, I work for Black Lives Matter. And um, I think that it would really be beneficial if you would just kind of get down on your knees right now and just apologize for the suffering of black people in America. Mm. Now, to say it simply, these are two white individuals. Okay, one guy behind the camera and this woman in front of the camera. And she immediately gets down on her knees. Wow. And he says, so you're going to apologize? And she says, yeah, I'm just thinking, I mean, how do I start? Because this is serious, right? Guys, that's ridiculous. That is I I, that that grieves me because of the manipulation and the control and the lack of being anchored, the lack of being more than anything. And now somebody can a perfect stranger walks up to you and says, bow down in front of me and begin repenting. Mm. Come on. That's that's sick. Guys, that's sick. And I'm going to tell you a lot of what we see happening today. And I know that there are people who have they, they are they are well intentioned. They, they they want good things. All right. But a lot of the people, especially in the body of Christ, who are initiating these collective, mm. we will stand and you bow before us. My question is, who is the one, the only one of whom it is written that before them, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Who it's only Jesus Christ of which this is written, of which this is said. Come on, you've got people groveling in the streets, the kind of displays that not even Jesus requires for us to come to him and be forgiven. What do we do? We confess with our mouth that he's Lord. We believe that he's risen. We come to Jesus Christ and he forgives us. Mm-hmm. Listen, guys, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this, okay? When you are anchored in the Lord, right? When <laughs> when your straight edge is the word of God, you're not going to be tossed back and forth by a rebellious culture. You're not. And that's where we've got to take our orders. That's that's where we've got to learn our engagement. If you wrong somebody, the Bible gives you steps for that. I believe you can find that in Matthew 18. If, if your brother sins against you, you go to him, you show him his faults, right? If he repents, you've won him over. If not, there's even steps after that. You go and take a witness. You're, so we don't just let things fester and say, well, we all agree. No, but you don't repent to somebody for something you didn't do. Right, right. There's... This is no longer the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the kids' teeth have been set on edge. Hmm. No more. Each person answers for his own sin. All right. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. He put that hunger in your heart. Addison's on American Family Radio. Um, thank you for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and it's Unspoken with Reason. 
Sherry B is over in Studio CC. She's gotten our guest on, though. Before we go to our guest, let me just say, because I saw in our Cherbin, our, well, it's it's different. It's, anyway, <laughs> online chat forum. Yes. Um, I think it was Ruby who said, yeah, the, the um, instance that I was, um, or the, the, uh, the video that I was referring to was a woman who was basically like, <laughs> I don't want to say she was accosted because that would be like dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. But she was approached. The request was that she would on demand apologize for her white privilege. Mm. That's exact. That's what it was. And so I think it was Ruby who said, wasn't that she was apolog- being made to apologize for that. So that's anyway, crazy. if you if you can stomach it, you know, <sighs> you can you can. I, I don't recommend it grieves me. OK, it grieves yeah. me. And and more than that, it grieves me to see the the um, the effect that this is having on the church. I think that we need to stand um, you know, some instances we're going to be standing against culture while trying to be in the midst of culture. It's it's a constant tension. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some things we can agree on. And then there are other things we have to say, no, we reject reject it outright. And, yeah. and the church has always experienced this this tension. Yeah. We're in the world and not of it. We are called to go and evangelize this culture, but not be like swept up in it. Right. right. And so. It's a constant tension that we face, but it's, you know, it's worth facing nevertheless because we are compelled to tell people the truth, Amen. right? We, we have to do it. All right. So anyways, uh, welcome back to the program. Again, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And who was that that we... That was Unspoken with Reason. Unspoken with Reason. Yes. Okay. Now we're going to turn our attention to the church. And for the next couple segments, that's what we're going to talk about. This, this is what I love to talk about. I love to talk about the body of Christ. I love to talk about the church, how we're doing. So now we're going to kind of take the temperature of the church and see what has been going on um, since COVID-19. A lot of churches moving to online services. And I found this uh, this survey interesting because there is the anticipation that some churches may not go back to their former way of mm-hmm. gathering. So mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation around that. Will the Great, I know this is of great interest to you. Mm-hmm. I know you have a lot of opinion on it. And um, so anyway, we're going to talk about it. First, let me introduce our guest uh, in this segment and also in the next segment. Dr. Arnie Cole is the CEO of Back to the Bible, um, which is an international ministry dedicated to using media and technology to lead people into a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. Love that. He also serves as director of research and product development for um, CBE. Uh, Arnie, could you tell our listeners just a little bit more about um, about your organization? Sure. Uh, thank you for having us on today. I really sure. appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back to the Bible has been a Bible teaching ministry for over 81 years. Wow. Um, many of you may know some of our teachers, Warren Wiersbe, uh, Woodrow Kroll, um, among others. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have a division that uh, does research, and what's called the Center for Bible Engagement. And we research anything that has to do with life transformation. Okay. So this survey that we're going to be discussing today would be the result of the research taking place from the Center for Bible Engagement. That's correct. We, um, we've done a series of about five pieces of research um, during the pandemic, looking at pastors, congregants, and then the occasional church attender, and then kind of putting mm. it all together. Okay, great. So let's let's dive in because I read the survey and I, I read the results and some of it I found encouraging. Some of it was a little bit disheartening for me personally. And I guess we'll talk about that when we get to those those bridges. We'll kind of kind of walk over them. But um, 
based on this survey that you guys conducted recently here, um, it seems that when we get back to normal, there's going to be a drop in the number of regular church attendees or church attenders. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. At least that's what we're um, predicting, uh, at least for the, the start coming back. We're looking at between a 25 to 35% drop in uh, regular attenders. At least that's what uh, congregations across America have told us. Okay. Now, what percentage of church attenders are regular? Like, what when you look at a, a general, generally speaking, you look at the size of a church, you know, what percentage of those people would be considered regular attenders? And then how is that defined? What makes a regular attender? That's a great question. And it's kind of, um, uh, you know, back in the day, a regular attender was somebody who uh, had a button because they attended every Sunday. <laughs> and, uh, and, and now it's, it's uh, uh, the churches have had to go kind of changed their definition because of these team sports and all of that mm-hmm. on Sundays. And so a regular attender is usually um, two times a month. Uh, for the purpose of our survey, though, we, we defined regular attenders as um, three or more um, services a month uh, would be a regular attender. Wow. So almost every week, if if we were just to sort of look at it, you know, I guess the way we think in terms of how people attend church, we would say a regular church attender would be somebody who every week they're there. Is that safe or is that maybe just exaggerating it too much? I'd say three out of four. How about three three out of four? four. Okay. And what percentage of our congregations are comprised of regular attenders? Of course, it depends on the church, but oftentimes it's about 50%, sometimes as high as 70%, depending on uh, the age of the congregation. Uh, Usually the older congregations tend to have uh, um, better attendance. Uh, Younger seems to be more distracted with events. Okay, okay. And I think we may unpack this a little bit more as we kind of keep working our way through, so I don't want to jump too far ahead, because I'm curious to know why the people surveyed seem to give you the impression that the regular attenders are going to kind of drop off. But in place of that, you also found that there is an opportunity because it seems that people who maybe attended more infrequently will start to come back to church post COVID-19. Correct? Correct. Correct. And, and I don't want to get so far that I've, forget to tell you the good news. So just remind me towards the end if you haven't heard some <laughs> great news. <laughs> okay. If I get I get carried away with this stuff. So the um, average church attender, uh, they have told us that uh, now that they can't go to church, they've been forced, many of them for the first time, to worship online. And first maybe begrudgedly, and then uh, all of a sudden, they started finding out how convenient it is. And the fascinating part of this research is those, the solid core of your church, those people said, we love worshiping online. Not only that, we watched our service online, and guess what? We watched one of six Mega churches online as well, and we love that as well. And okay. it was from this point, it was from this finding that that uh, 
uh, they went on to say that, you know, we may not come back to our regular church or attend like we did because we like the online experience. Hmm. Now, Hmm. okay, so so I it may depend on the person that could that could that could be good news. Um, But if I'm just being transparent, which I mean, that's I just have to. I'm compelled. Right. Um, It sounds a little to me. I'm a little bit concerned about that, um, Arnie, because when I hear that, I think of the, the purpose of the church and I think of the way the church has historically functioned. And I wonder if online attendance then becomes an obstacle to authentic church function. What are your thoughts on that? That's such a, a, a great question. And uh, so here's the deal. you got to think outside of your building. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the silver lining in all of this. Okay. If you go back... For churches, church, you cut your online services, you cut everything that had to do with Sunday school online, and you just go back to the good old days. Um, at least half of your regular attenders said, if you do that, we're probably going to go elsewhere. Wow. And if, but if you can extend beyond your building mm-hmm. so that you can watch church online, make it can meet me where I am, um, things will really help me grow spiritually. Um, things will, um, the church will do okay. Hmm. Okay. So, and again, and I know, I know that, you know, you guys as like the, the, the researchers and, and surveying people, I know you're also interpreting the data and, and kind of coming to a conclusion and so now I just offer commentary on the data, right? So, so okay. So <laughs> no, you're having, fine. You're fine. Okay, thank you. All right. So, so then, here, so again, I'm kind of concerned because yeah. I wonder if it misses the point of how important that person is as a contributor to the body of well, Christ. Well, like, I, go ahead, Will. Let me say this because I, I think that's part of the issue that maybe. In some churches, I'm not saying all churches, but there's more of a these people do the things and most of us spectate that Mm. it's easier to just transition into a video type thing because maybe a a feeling of, well, when I go there, we're we're just kind of there because we know we need to go. Um, I think it's easier to, to transition like that if that is how your church typically function. Dr. Cole, are we just too pious? Like what, what, what's our problem in thinking the way that we're thinking? I mean, I wouldn't say pious, but um, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. <laughs> so, so I'm an old guy. Okay. And my wife and I go to church and, you know, pandemic, we're all in isolation. So we have the Sunday service on and my wife's upstairs doing her hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, it just dawned on me, this is super convenient. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't have to get dressed up for church. We don't have to get the grandkids. It's like, whoa, this this is a new kind of thing. So you've got the convenience factor going on. But, but then, the, and I'm not saying you're pious, but all of the survey people that we've looked at in multiple mm-hmm. surveys, 
have begged for people to help them on a daily basis to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. So consistent yes. with what, what we've seen in, in years, you know, I've been doing this 13 years, mm-hmm. um, consistent with what we've seen is, please, pastor, please, church, help me on a daily basis yes. to grow spiritually. And, oh, by the way, the only way you can do that is, to meet me online, and mm. especially for a daily thing. So um, people live in a virtual world online. They want their spiritual experience to be in community, in person, but also when that isn't possible, mm-hmm. they want to participate online as well. And really, if you could make it daily, maybe shorter, maybe 10 minutes, you would really help me spiritually. Okay. Okay. Dr. Cole, you'll never come back and talk to us again. Cause I'm going to keep pressing just a little bit here. I understand, <laughs> right? This is, I know, but... you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so here is my, here is my biblical understanding of a Uh-oh. healthy. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me say I'm a middle-aged woman. You said you're an old guy, I think is what you said. So I'm a middle-aged woman. Okay. Um, I've got five kids and I've got one on the way. It would be much easier for me to not have to worry about all five of those kids getting ready and getting dressed and going out. Like I, I totally understand that because, you know, if ever there's a moment for your peace to be disrupted, it's like getting ready for church time. I mean, you are blessed if you get in the car and you, and you all still like each other on the way to church. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's very hectic, right? But when I study the scriptures and when I look at what we are called to, I think that what you're describing is something that is supposed to be innate to the church in that it's not just that one time a week gathering, which is what I think leads to the drought that people experience. But I think there's supposed to be discipleship. I think there's supposed to be fellowship. There's supposed to be this um, interconnectedness that maybe the way we have quote unquote churched has left the void that now it seems that, you know, online services may be, may be filling in. I don't know your thoughts on that. And then, cause we're all uncomfortable. I'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you make, make a good point, especially with the kids and getting into um, uh, the habit, if you will have all habits aren't bad of going to church and worship and, um, uh, I think that that is important and and critical. And yes, it, it I'm sure it's it's a tremendous pain with all the kids <laughs> getting them ready and and all of that. I get that. And then going yeah. online, if it's just like watching TV, then then you lose something. So um, I understand wow. that. And um, however, it's it comes back to though on a weekly on a day to day routine. Mm-hmm. Getting your spiritual life into a daily re- routine, even with your kids, is far more critical than church on Sundays. Because church on Sundays is it may take you two hours to get ready, an hour there, but that's it. That that mm-hmm. almost becomes compartmentalized, mm-hmm. and yes. that's where people get in, into real trouble. Is when their their life becomes compartmentalized because then you're a Christian on Sundays and then. Uh, it's much different the rest of the time. 
Mm, that's a great point. That's a great point. When we when we come back on the other side of the break, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Arnie Cole, who's CEO of Back to the Bible. And uh, we'll talk about the pastors that were surveyed and talk about what they think about how church might change post-COVID-19. It'll be really interesting, so make sure you come back. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Accept invitations from the ADDI Addisons again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Two minutes is just enough time for Dr. Arnie Cole to write a memo to himself saying, do not come back on this program no. to talk about the information. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm enjoying the discussion. Yeah. I actually enjoyed the research um, and and how how all of this is interpreted. And, you know, there, there are uh, reasons for hope. As we look at what the Lord is doing in his church, his church, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's always going to be reason for concern. And for that, we mount up. You know, that's where we are. We're, we're holding the line. We're holding yeah. the line as we wait for the return of our Lord. So anyway, we'll continue with our, with our discussion. Again, Dr. Arnie Cole is the CEO of Back to the Bible and Director of Research for the Center, Center for Bible Engagement. And he's discussing a recent survey that the Center for Bible Engagement conducted um, looking at how things might change in the wake of COVID-19. Did I say that I, my name? Did I say No, Miki? you didn't. And hey, you're, I'm you're Miki. And I'm Will, and that was Phil yes. Wickham with Living Hope. Hey, Phil, I'm glad that we're all here. Dr. Cole <laughs> is still here. <laughs> yes. Don't hear any I'm dial here. tones. I'm here. So, okay, great. <laughs> So, so let's take it. Let's let's shift now and look at pastors because it's. I'm I'm curious about how pastors look at uh, what will happen with their congregations post COVID nineteen. Before we get into some of the the data, um, describe the pastors that you surveyed. I understand that they are pastors of small churches, and there's a reason for that. Yes, by and large, um, the pastors were from. Um, uh, average church in America, I think, is around 125. That seemed to be our mix. We did have some megachurch pastors um, mm -hmm. as well. Um, it was interesting. Normally, pastors are very hard to survey. They just aren't survey-prone, and we didn't have problems getting pastors uh, to be surveyed on uh, on the pandemic. That's for sure. Mm. Okay. So, so based on your information, what are pastors concerned about? Like, what seems to be the biggest challenge for them going forward? There's, there's a couple things. One thing interesting to note, and you would hope, pastors are pretty optimistic. 80% thought attendance uh, would be the same, or maybe even a little better. Some had hoped for um, uh, massive groups coming back to church after the pandemic. and mm. uh, But 80% were, were pretty... Um, confident that things would be better. There was only 20% of the pastors that thought attendance would be lower when uh, when they came back. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, another really cool thing, almost 60% of our pastors 
said that their faith is actually stronger uh, due to this pandemic. Mm. And I I thought that was pretty significant Mm -hmm. because about 40% of the pastors um, admitted that giving is down. Mm-hmm. And that because the body isn't in the building, they don't tend to give uh, like when they're there. And um, and and that was uh, very, caused them great concern, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there's always been somewhat of a concern as it pertains to pastors and staying connected with their congregants you know how do you make sure that everybody feels like they are important and that they are a part um has that changed according to the your your survey do pastors feel that they are better able to connect because of the move to more online activity or do they feel like there's that it's more difficult that's a great question i i think it's different is probably the word Okay. A lot of pastors said they actually call their congregation during the week. Oh, good. And I thought, wow, that's yeah. that's pretty awesome yeah. um, to have your pastor call and check in to see how you're doing. So so that part, um, they wanted to hold desperately hold on to their community. So mm. we could see them doing things um, that were um, really helpful, I think not only going online, maybe reluctantly at first, but then calling people, having uh, uh, key people from the church call everybody to make sure they were fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of effort on the pastor's part. That's so good. good. You know, and and, and I would say this too, and I was encouraged by this information. I want to refer to it from your survey and then, and then get your take on it. But it's encouraging to me to see that pastors are hoping that their congregations will see ministry as individuals touching lives and not just a series of programs. I, I, I'm glad that pastors feel that way. I, I think that this is the way it should have always been. But of course, you know, in the wake of COVID-19, this becomes vital that you're mm-hmm. not just seeing church or ministry as programs, that it's got to be your life um, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and then useful to him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, and I think one thing even you can say is not only has the congregation been pushed out of their comfort zone by not attending, especially the regular attenders, but pastors have been pushed way out of their comfort zone by putting everything online. I mean, that mm. that's a huge change for them, something that we've advocated for years, um, but most pastors just haven't been uh, able to do that until now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about congregants? Um, based on the information that you collected, how are the people doing? Um, are, are we more encouraged? Are we less encouraged um, in the midst of COVID-19? Yeah, I think similar to the pastors, there's a good group that are actually growing in their faith. They see the Lord showing up and they're just fired up uh, doing everything they can. So that part's good. We did see, though, um, a group of almost 20% of of regular attenders, okay, questioning God. Like, why is this happening to me, and what have I done? And uh, so there are some congregants, a a decent percentage, 20%, um, are really, really struggling during this time. 
Mm. Wow. I'm glad you mentioned that because being able to hear that, you know, that becomes a prayer point for the body of Christ listening. Yeah. Like for all of us who hear that, as we are praying for one another, praying for the body of Christ at large, uh, that becomes a major prayer point um, for that nearly 20% of Christians who are questioning God. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. There's something else when you talk about concern among congregants, and this number is pretty high, and I'm wondering if you can shed some light on maybe why this number is high, but 62% are concerned about their children's spiritual education. Is that because mm. when you move things to online, you don't have children's church or youth group, now you just have one service? Is this the cause for concern among parents? I think it even goes deeper than that. Okay. So I'm going to do a little editorializing. Okay. And um, maybe get yelled at by my team when I get back. But I, <laughs> so I, I see a, a trend that parents depend on professionals, mm-hmm. if you will, for their kids. And, and oftentimes that, that's good. Um, but I see parents depending on the church to disciple their kids. Mm. And <laughs> that is not so good. And so, of course, parents are concerned about their kids' spiritual lives and all of that, because it's the church's responsibility that a lot of parents have handed over. Mm. And so when the kids don't go to church, it's a big problem. Hmm. Well, I don't know why anyone would yell at you for that, Dr. Cole, because I think that is exactly spot on. In fact, as I was looking at the information and I came across that number, 62% of churchgoers, of congregants, are concerned about their children's spiritual education. I was, you know, I was trying to be gentle in my question here, but that's exactly why I think that is. I think it's because when we say that it is somebody else's responsibility to disciple and to train our kids to to make sure that they are fortified with doctrine and, and learning how to stand in this culture, then when you have those elements removed, I think it could be quite frightening. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to press you beyond what you're prepared to talk about. But I, I do think that one of the ways that we remedy this is that discipleship returns to the parent Amen. as their chief first and foremost responsibility, making making followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just say that gently, and then we can we can move on and talk more numbers. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to... That was good. That was really good. Amen. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. All right. So now, in the, in the category of what congregants are, are seeking, what is it that your research or your survey found that congregations, people who attend church, what are they seeking? So, and here, again, is, is the really good news. Congregates want to grow daily, okay? Mm-hmm. And they've made it clear in this survey and in, in surveys past. Matter of fact, uh, what we say back to the Bible is uh, we exist to help you move closer to Jesus today than you were yesterday. Mm, so the, this is the cry that we've heard from our research. People want help. They want to be encouraged. They want to focus on Jesus, but there's so many distractions. Will you please help me, David? So that's, that's probably the big takeaway from the regular congregants is they want more of you, not less. Mm. Okay, so if, if a pastor is listening right now and a pastor hears that information, I would imagine that, you know, pastors begin thinking, okay, how do we meet those needs? Um, 
in this time that we're in right now, is that more difficult or less difficult for pastors to be able to respond to that great need? I mean, 66% want daily, weekly spiritual challenge. They are seeking that. They want to grow. How do pastors meet that need? And and that's, and you know, that's, I I think you want people to be there. You don't want people to just kind of be like, eh, I'm okay. You want people to desire more. And I'll just say too, I think some of that comes with equip, equipping saints for the work of the ministry because a pastor can't do all of that. Oh, that's so there has, good. Will. There has to be some adequate training up within the body of Christ to, to, to help, you know. And so, uh, to your to your question, you can go ahead and answer that. Yeah, no, Will, you make a, a great point. Um, the um, my experience, and I've met with pastors and surveyed pastors all over the world, uh, but especially in in the U.S., um, the biggest opposition to daily discipleship, sadly, has been pastors not willing to change from their programmatic format to a daily spiritual growth kind of. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's not leaving the Sunday service, it's adding the other six days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like beyond Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of, uh, you know, Back to the Bible provides services free of charge for churches to go online, to disciple daily, all of that. There's a lot of tools out there um, to help pastors, but usually the guys, they're over 50, they got gray hair like me, and they're just, they weren't raised in technology, and it, it just doesn't feel good to move beyond their walls. So that's, that's a big thing. Dr. Cole, tell our listeners your website. You mentioned resources available um, from Back to the Bible. I'm sure that we've got many, many listeners right now who really perked up when they heard you say that, because as much as we like to kind of hear what's going on, when there's a problem, we also want to know, okay, how do I remedy this? What can I do? So what is your website and how can we um, gain access to those resources? Sure. Um, Backtothebible.org. Center for Bible Engagement.org, um, GoTandem.org. We have a ton of stuff. Or just write me, Arnie C. at BackToTheBible.org, and I can direct you. I mean, we're a small uh, ministry, and um, we've got, uh, you know, your spiritual journey is our number one priority, and we just want to help, whether it's a pastor or a congregation. That's so good. That is so good. And we'll make sure that we put links to your website, um, what, the links that you've given us today. Make sure that that's in the show notes so anybody who gets the podcast later can access that information. I'm encouraged overall that there is the realization that there is more than just that one day a week. Mm-hmm. And and that is what it should have always been. And, yeah. and I'm really hopeful, even in hearing you express, Dr. Cole, that um, there are more pastors who realize that, you know, it's not enough for that one message to be sort of like, this is the home run that's going to get you through the next several days until we meet again. Um, And I agree with Will the Great that training up and equipping other believers for the work of ministry, this is robust living, if you will, um, as it pertains to the body of Christ. And I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we see this return. We've only got about a minute left. Um, So my final question is when you look at, um, the way people have been meeting online, what is it that they miss most about in-person meetings? Community. They miss 
the fellowship, mm. uh, which doesn't surprise. Probably the biggest surprise in her survey was the once a year attender who he feels, he or she feels a part of the, the community and always has. Mm-hmm. So our challenge would be to reach out to your occasional attenders because they're watching you online and they want to come back to church. So that's mm. another cool side. Mm. That's very good. Thank you so much. This has been a fascinating discussion. I really appreciate it. Dr. Arnie Cole, everybody, a Back to the Bible and a Center for Bible Engagement. We'll put links in the show notes so that you can check out the website and check out the resources that might be a blessing to you and your church. We're out of time for today. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.